Last week we started talking about being unified in our series, our new series, Being Branded. So we started off the night by, by throwing some, some symbols up on the PowerPoint for you guys. And you kind of said the first thing that came to your mind, what, what brand it was. We had um, the Apple product, we had Nike, we had Swastika, those things. And, and you guys kind of said the first things that came in your mind. Some were positive, some were negative. And the same thing goes for Christianity. When you guys hear that term, when you hear church, some things might, might come up that are positive, that are negative. There's things we're known for. There's behaviors. There's um, people that, that recognize us by certain things. And you think about that brand. Somewhere so we are unpacking some of those things from, from Philippians chapter 2. If you guys remember this last week, uh, Philippians 2, 2 says this, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another and working together with one mind and purpose. One purpose. That's what we talked about a lot last week. Being unified for one purpose. From that, we decided that one of those things that Christians should be known for is unity. Because when you're unified, things just go better. You're able to do more. Think about it. When you're on your football team or your basketball team, whatever sport you're in, when you're in the band, if you're not unified with everybody, what's going to happen? Well, that one lineman that missed that block because he didn't know where he was supposed to block, the quarterback's going to get killed. That one band instrument or a couple band instruments that aren't getting the right notes is going to make the rest of the band sound like a cow died or something. It's just not going to go well. We established that one thing um, we can be unified around is helping people, right? We can help people connect with God and then connect with with each other. We can bring people in to the Word of God in the community. We can help them meet friends. We can help them feel accepted, hopefully at Oasis. We can do things together. When we are unified, we can do things together, and we can glorify God. This week, we're going to look at another characteristic that we ought to be known for, something that we should be known for, that we aren't a lot. Nobody really is, I think, nowadays. Um, in fact, without this characteristic, it kind of be impossible to accomplish our purpose, okay, that we talked about last week. So think about brands like Starbucks. Um, like Apple, Nike, Disney. When you guys go to Starbucks, what do you expect? You expect great coffee. You expect a heavenly smell. You expect to be able to sit down and do some homework, meet with a coworker, and just talk things out, have fun, that sort of stuff. When you buy a new Apple product, you expect the top of the line in technology. You expect the coolest stuff. I mean, all these awesome things that make you feel good, but you also expect it to be dumbed down enough so your little three-year-old sister or your 90-year-old grandpa can download an app and work it and run it. When you guys think about Disney, what do you think about? Magic, animation, those sorts of things. You expect to, to have memories of your childhood, hopefully good memories from watching Simba or something or anything like that. You expect an awesome theme park to go to. When you guys think about Nike, you, you put on that Nike dry fit stuff and you expect, man, I look good. Ladies be tripping. <laughs> I don't know what you think, but you think you know, you're going to perform better. You just look better, you feel better. So think about a brand and think about what your expectations are with that brand. What are these expectations based on? Where do they come from? Do they come from your own experiences? Do they come from experiences and, and things that you heard from friends, from family, from neighbors? You expect a certain moment. You expect a certain thought to come in your head. So when you're going to buy these things, when you, when you use these things, you already have, you have it made up in your head of your thoughts, okay? 
Um, coincidentally, the same goes for Christianity and for churches. It's going to be up on your PowerPoint. I think it's on your notes, too. Christians in general are perceived a certain way in our culture because of the way they have treated people in the past. Christians in general are perceived a certain way in our culture because of the way that they have treated people in the past, good or bad. Churches are known in the community as being a certain way because people have had experiences with them. You know, some churches you hear like, oh, yeah, they're pretty wishy-washy or yeah, I mean, they're awesome. They're really seeker-friendly. They're, they're fun to be, to be a part of, and I love going to that church. You, you had a good experience. So let me ask you a question. How do your friends that you know, how do your friends, your family, your neighbors, people around you, your coworkers, how do they view Christians? How do they view Christians? How do people who aren't Christians view Christians? I'm saying that word a lot. <laughs> Get it in your head. Um, last week we kind of talked about this in my small group. Um, with being unified, you know, one of the questions was, had to do with, you know, what do you think is our brand in our culture today? What do you think the Christian brand is? And we talked about, I mean, fair or unfair, we feel like um, our brand is kind of negative a lot. We feel like it's kind of negative from, from media, um, really only focusing on these people that are just, you're going to hell, you're, you're going to die, like all these kind of judgmental things. So think about it, guys. You've, you've probably seen this. They, somewhere along the way, they've had an experience where they, where they get this perspective. Think about it. Maybe you've overheard a conversation at school. You're walking behind somebody, and they're talking like, yeah, my mom made me go to church. It was pretty boring. I basically fell asleep, and people were staring at me because of the way I looked, and I just had felt judged. Maybe you've seen your own family. Maybe you're the only person in your family that is real about their faith, that you make God a priority, and the rest of your family is just kind of like, I mean, they don't understand. They understand why you would make church a priority because maybe some experience or something they've heard or some article they've read. Maybe you personally have felt it at church. Maybe you went to a church, you came to a youth group, you expected people to come up to you and talk to you and stuff and, and meet you and you expected to make some new friends and nobody did. You just kind of, you showed up, you're there, and then it was just awkward for you. And awkward situations are the worst. For every awkward silent second, there's an awkward baby born, Right? So it just, a lot of babies were born that night. So believe it or not, church was never, have you guys never heard that? I feel like none of you have. Okay. I guess I'm a little older, I guess, huh? Um, so believe it or not, church was not supposed to be like that. Weird, I know, right? Church was supposed to be inviting, supposed to be loving. It's supposed to be the opposite of what a, the way a lot of people perceive us. Last week we decided we want to be a group that is unified around a common purpose. We talked about that in our Oasis statement. We talked about it over fall retreat, that common purpose. Purpose to help lead students into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. But a huge roadblock to accomplishing that purpose is overcoming perception. This is also on your PowerPoint. We must overcome the perception of Christians being self-absorbed and unaccepting of those who are not like us. We have to overcome that. If we are, never, if we are ever going to accomplish our goals to accomplish our mission, our purpose of reaching and affecting others and making a difference in their lives, then we have to be rebranded. You have to be rebranded from what the culture sees you as, good or bad. If it's good, keep building on it. If it's bad, wreck shop and start over. Be rebranded. So there's really only one thing that can change the way we are perceived, and that is the way we treat people. 
kind of what we're going to be talking about tonight, the way we interact through our relationships on a daily basis. But how do you do that? How do you do that at school, at home, at work, when you're sports, when you're in band, extracurricular activities, whatever it is? How do you do that? Well, good thing for the Bible, Paul also has something in there for us. So turn to Philippians chapter 2 with me if you would. If you aren't already there. Um, Paul anticipated something was going to come. He anticipated this. He, he kind of knew like, okay, I'm telling him to do all this stuff. The rest of these guys are telling him to do the stuff and, and follow Christ and, and be all in for Christ and stuff. But what's going to happen now? Well, how are we going to look? How are we going to be perceived? Are we going to be murdered still? Are we going to be um, persecuted still? He anticipated a problem with our brand was going to come up. So he, he wrote Philippians. He wrote a letter, okay? So chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 is what we're going to look at. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. Okay, that sounds great. Sounds easy enough. I can do that. I can help someone with homework. I can do this. I can do that. Sounds pretty easy, right? But it's kind of like the, the opposite, of, opposite, opposite of, of how a lot of people live their lives. It's the opposite of, of Christians even, how some of us live our lives, right? Most people are so wrapped up in their own little worlds, they, they keep themselves so busy that they don't have any time or any energy left for someone else. They have one day off a month, and that one day off, all they want to do is lay around, do their own thing, go shopping, be with family, whatever it is. They don't give themselves any free time to help others. But in this passage, Paul challenges us to do something different, right? He, he challenges us to live selflessly and to not worry about what other people think about us, not to worry about what others might say about us. Instead, he challenges us to be unselfish and to put others first. So this, in addition to being unified, should be our brain, and that's selflessness. That should be up on the, on the PowerPoint as well. Selflessness. That's what we want to talk about tonight. That's what we want to drill. That and a few other things. What does it mean to be selfless? In essence, Paul is challenging us to live unselfishly, not just as individuals, but as a group. So one, we want to be unified. That's what we talked about last week. That's like the foundation. We want to be unified. And with that unity, now what do we want to do? We want to be selfless as an individual and as a group. Living unselfishly, though, kind of seems uh, counterintuitive or, or against the grain a lot, right, in our culture. Um, but there's benefits to it. Think about the benefits, guys. I, I got four right here. People will trust you more. If you live unselfless, unselfish, people will trust you more. If you become known as someone who puts the needs of others above yourself, people are going to notice that. They're going to trust you and know that you have their, their best interest in mind. Another one, people will like you more. This isn't like the main point of being nice, like, oh, I'm going to give you half of my ho-ho so you can like me more. No, I mean, that's, I mean, that probably happens. But think about the people you like to be around. Do they have a genuine interest in you? Do they like the same things you like? Do you like them? They care about you. They don't always put themselves first. So you should do the same. People will respect you more. We tend to lose respect for people who, who only care about themselves, right? If you have a friend that um, only ever wants to hang out with so-and-so or they only want to do what they want to do or whatever it is, you kind of lose respect for them a little bit. And lastly, you will gain more influence. This, this is a huge byproduct of living unselfishly. Okay, you'll, you'll gain more influence. Um, 
you actually begin to make some, some headway in accomplishing the purpose of reaching others and bringing them in. Guys, I've seen this over and over in, in people's walks with Christ. They live unselfishly. These four things just come. All these things come. But for those of us who uh, label ourselves as Christ followers or Christians, there's kind of like a higher calling. There's kind of a higher calling for us. Um, so verse 5, there's more to this passage than what we just read in this kind of, kind of the, the kicker in the rear here. Um, it says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. Okay, that, what does that mean? What attitude did Christ Jesus have? Why do we have to have that? Christ, Jesus, what is his attitude? His attitude, his, his desire, his will for his life was to be in company with outcasts, was to, to put others' comforts above his own. He didn't care about himself. All he cared about was being there for other people, helping other people, sharing the good news. Guys, we were created good. We were created without sin. We were created blameless. But God also created us with a choice. And most, if not all of you know the story, Adam and Eve sinned and humankind, mankind is condemned. We are rebellious. We sin. Everyone sins. Jesus Christ came and became the ultimate sacrifice. He, he is our substitute now. He took the bullet for you. I mean, it's kind of hard, like, for someone to wrap their, their minds around that, I think, a lot. That Christ died for you. It's like, well, he lived 2014 years ago. How, how did he die for me? And I, I think it's hard to wrap your mind around that, but once you actually do, once you can get to that point, it's life-changing. It's a game-changer. Christ was selfless in his attitude. He died for you. And he wants you to have that relationship. He wants you to be set apart again. Because that's what God is. Somebody had to pay that. Somebody had to pay the ransom for our sins. And that's what he sent his son for. Jesus spent his entire life in ministry putting others first. And that's what we're supposed to do. It, it, the essence of being a Christ follower is what? <laughs> Following Christ. Striving to be like Christ, to look like Christ, to live like Jesus did in every aspect of life. Together we can care for others. Guys, that's the main point for tonight. That's the bottom line. I'm going to say it a few more times, so write that. It's in the notes, note cards. Together we can care for others. But what does that look like in today's world? What does that look like at home, at school, in our teams, at our jobs? What do we have to do if we wanted to live like Jesus? There's two things. Number one, associate with outcasts, just as Christ did. Most of us um, are really concerned about, about what we look like, about our own self-image and that sort of stuff, our reputation. High school is, is difficult with that. But we're terrified of the idea of, of sitting with other people. We're terrified of the idea of, of associating with outcasts and associating with people we consider below us. But that didn't stop Jesus, did it? That's who he surrounded himself with. That was his company all the time. The 12 disciples, outcasts, blind, deaf, lame people. And if Paul says that we should have the same attitude as him, I think we should get the cue from that. The kind of hint like, hey, you should probably do that, huh? So maybe that, that means you consider sitting next to someone that, that is an outcast, that doesn't have too many friends that most people consider weird. Most people consider um, gross. I mean, I don't know. I mean, there's, there's different things in every high school, I think. Maybe it's sitting next to that person on the bus that never really has a friend on the bus. That just kind of feels out of place. 
Maybe it's that person in your class who doesn't really have any friends in that class. It's a group project. They're kind of just out alone looking for someone to be with. Maybe you should pull them in. Have them come with you. Think outside the box. Think outside your own little bubble, your own little circle, and associate with them. Be their friends. Be there for them. Care about them. Start looking for, the, for ways to be in tune with them. I'm going to come back to this in a little bit, but number two, start listening more. That is hard for a lot of us, right? For some of us, the best way to tell others about Jesus is to listen. The best way for us to, to live out our faith is to just listen to others, to care about them. Um, you guys, those of you who went to Engage, you'll, you'll know what this is. You guys remember this? Who went to Engage? Or OGN. People call it OGN still. Um, it was awesome time. We went to San Diego, beach evangelism. Um, they gave us this tool. It's just the thing of, of five pictures. And when we were being trained, they gave us this. And basically, the guy said, this is given to you so you can shut up. This is, that's what he told us. He said, this is meant for you to use and so you can shut up. If you don't like that word, I'm sorry. Um, just quoting a guy. But what we do, we go up to people, and you ask them, you start with this one. You just kind of say, like, what does this remind you of? What, what do you think of? What's the first thing you think of? And we would, they would, most, most of the time they said busyness, like crazy busyness, okay? We go to this one. We say, well, do you recognize any of these symbols? What do they mean to you? They might point to the cross. They might point to Islam faith, that sort of stuff, the, the cross of the Star of David, those sorts of things. We talked to them a little bit about that. You go to this one. You're like, what is, what is the weight between good and evil? What do you define as good and evil? We go through these. And um, the last one is this. You, you ask them, is this a sunset or a sunrise? Depending on what they say, if they say, say, it, uh, if they say it's a sunset, you kind of be like, well, what's your sunset going to look like? Where are you going to go? Okay, you just talk to them. You get to know them a little bit. So last day I was with uh, George Babcock and Allie Brock. Do you guys remember them? They're seniors last year, so they graduated. Um, we weren't having a lot of good luck talking to people on the last day. We had good luck all week. Um, and so the final guy we talked to the whole weekend, he uh, had a crazy, crazy story. He grew up in the Middle East. He was in, like, the Iranian army. He witnessed all kinds of massacres and all this disgusting, crazy stuff. They forced him to, um, they forced him into the Islamic faith, the religion there. Uh, he didn't like it. He fled to America. Had a lot of other crazy things happen to him in America. Uh, the guy was like a walking miracle, basically. He was mid-40s, lower 50s. Um, and he had a lot to say. He was very smart. He, we asked him, like, what religion he is, and he said he didn't know, but he was studying them. He studied uh, the Islam faith. He studied Christianity. He never really read the Bible, he said, but he studied it from, like, Google. Um, and he studied uh, Mormonism, all these different things to figure out what he wanted to believe, what he wanted. And so he knew a lot about his stuff. And we were talking to him for maybe two hours, three hours, and he just kind of stopped in the middle of, of talking at one point. He's just like, you guys are different. I'm like, what do you mean, sir? He said, well, I, I normally talk to people all the time about faith. I come to this beach all the time, and you guys are like the first ones that let me talk. He had an accent. I'm not going to do the accent. It might be pretty embarrassing. Um, but he just said, normally they come up to me, and, and they, they drill me like, conversion, conversion, conversion. You need God. You're going to hell. But you guys, you just want to hear my story, and I like that. I'll talk to you anytime you want. And then he even told us, like, I'm here every Sunday from 1 to 4 working out normally. So we talked to him, and it was awesome. So maybe that's the first step for some of you guys. Stop talking so much and just care. Just show care for them. Show interest in their life. That's what a lot of people want. 
Guys, when you just stop and listen, that's going to... That's going to show more and speak more than any sermon you could preach. That's going to be more than any pep talk you can give anyone. Just stop and listen. Take an interest in the people around you. So what if we actually start associating with outcasts? What if we actually start listening to people? What's that going to look like? I think those are two big steps that we can take, easy steps that we can take, in, in starting to get to that, that purpose, that mission. Guys, high school does not last forever. Okay, I was in high school three years ago, four years ago. I know what it feels like. Still, it's pretty fresh. Um, Michael and I were talking. Michael Hofer, the tribe intern. A lot of you know him. Probably all of you have seen him. Most of you have seen him. Um, so Mama Bunch and like these women ministries were happening yesterday. And so there's little kids all around. And one kid we saw, he's like, choo-choo. And he kept going around. And he looked at Michael. And he just, choo-choo. And he just kept going on. We're like, man, what would you give to be a little kid again? Not a care in the world. All you do is... Eat and sleep and have a blast and get in trouble. That's all you do, and it's fun. And then he asked me, he said, what would you do different if you could go back? I was like, well, how far back? He said, like, eighth grade. Eighth grade and up, what would you do? It's like, well, there's a lot of things I would do differently. How about you? And one thing he told me, he said, I would share my faith more. I would do more about my faith. And I agreed wholeheartedly. I told him, like, man, that is probably my biggest regret in high school is how little I did about my faith. For me in high school, people knew I was, I was serious about my faith. I mean, I was the youth pastor's kid. Um, my parents were pretty well known for, for Youth for Christ. So everyone knew I was serious about my faith. If they had questions, they could come to me. Um, I never drank. I never smoked. I never did anything of that. My friends, I didn't have any, like, guys that were my age that went to my church. So I hung out with non-believers. Um, but I, I kind of had an influence on them. Like, they never drank. They never smoked. Um, when they were around me, they never even cussed. They respected me a lot. They were an awesome group of guys. Um, but I never talked to them about my faith. I brought them to youth group every once in a while, but that was it. So then what happens? College happens. They all, they all go to secular schools. What starts happening? They start doing secular things. The party life. The party life comes up in their lives, and they kind of they fell off, if you will. So I didn't, I, I regret that. I regret not talking to them about their faith more. So now, um, every once in a while, I'll shoot them a text. I'll just be like, hey, yo, just praying for you, man. If you have any questions about God ever, just let me know, and I'll be here for you. But I hope semester's going well. I hope class is going well. I hope your girlfriend's going well, that sort of stuff. I try to care for them now, and they don't really talk to me anymore. Um, high school happened like four years ago for me. And the amount of people that I relate to still and I, I talk to still is probably less than five. And I see them maybe four or five times a year. Guys, high school does not last forever, especially for those of you who are going to school in like Texas, out of the Midwest, three or four hours away. Some of you guys will have friends for life from high school. Some of you won't. But it does not last forever. Do something about your faith now. Care for others now. Share Christ now, guys. It's, you're going to regret it. I guarantee it. If you're serious about your faith, if you're serious about God, you will regret it. So I'm trying to stop you from that because it's not fun. High school is the time where, where you guys, students, try to figure out their identity. You know what you want to wear, what you want to do with your life. Um, a lot of you guys have relationships. It's where you find your identity. Why not give them the same identity in Christ that you have? That's the greatest thing that you could give them, right? So how would it change our world if Christians were not only known for being unified, but being selfless, for being caring, for interested in, in others rather than themselves for once? Together, we can care for others. 
drill that in your heads. If all of us began to put others first, it would become a much bigger deal, right? A lot of people would, would start noticing it. A lot of people would start maybe tagging along and doing the same. God can accomplish big things through a unified group. God can accomplish big things through one individual that is self, selfless, that is caring. Really caring for others is the only hope we have. Um, last week, you guys know Sarah Smith, Braxton Matan, um, they're dating. She's right, right here. Hey, hey, Sarah. Um, so I did something that was very jerk-ish. Um, she came in. I was like, Sarah. She's like, Ben. I was like, guess what? She's like, what? I said, guess what? She's like, what? And I said, Braxton leaves in a week. And she was just like, just sank and then punched me or whatever. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Braxton is in the Marines, and he was back for a little while, and now he just left yesterday, right? Yesterday. And um, it was, yeah, he, I have a leader calling me a jerk. It was a jerk move. Was I caring for her? Not in the least bit at all, no. What I should have done, I should have been like, hey, I know Braxton's leaving next week. I'm praying for you. I hope you're doing okay because that's going to be hard. I know what that, that looks like because my sister and her boyfriend dated for five years and they only saw each other for two because he was in the military. It's hard. I should have I cared for her. Did I? No, not at all. That's kind of a mistake. My bad. Sorry, Sarah. You can punch me again later. So be thinking about how you can begin changing the brand of Christianity in the world around you, around you personally. Think about what it would look like for you to care for others and to put others first. Together, guys, we can care for others. Together. It starts with you. It's the last point, guys. I want you to write this in your notes. It's not up there. I just want you to write it in your notes. It starts with you. You can't expect 20 people to go to get involved and, and to be unified and to start really caring for others and showing that and then be like, okay, you know what? There's enough people doing it. I'll do it now. You can't do that. It's going to take work. You can't expect everyone to be unified right away. You can't expect yourself to be caring right away. It's going to be hard. It's going to take work. Be a Christ follower, guys. Be unified and be selfless. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you so much uh, for tonight. God, I pray that the rest of the night goes smoothly and we have a blast and get to know all these new faces and get to know everyone else um, on a deeper level. God, I pray that we, we glorify you and, um, and I pray everyone in this room just open up their hearts to you tonight. And uh, thank you, Lord. You are awesome. We love you. Amen. If you should fall to pieces, you know I'll pick them up. There are so many reasons I'm never gonna.